0: The abundance mentality, I think, is one of the biggest things. They're not threatened by other syndicators. They realize there's plenty out there for everybody. They're not highly competitive. And that sounds like a negative. But what I mean by that is they don't see a zero-sum game. That if so-and-so sponsors syndicators doing well, I'm not going to do as well. They see it as we should all be doing well. This is the
1: Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Build multiple streams of passive income through real estate investing. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Steve Davis from Total Wealth Academy. Today, we're going through his story, his experience of going from extreme career and educational dissatisfaction in the military, he was headed the wrong direction, the wrong direction for him. We dig into how he got into more active, participation in real estate, really hustling to do that next deal, to transitioning to a more passive income strategy, and how he teaches people today how to build passive income through real estate investing, specifically passively investing in real estate deals. We talk about some misconceptions that his students who are passive investors have when they're getting started, how he teaches them to get over those, and so much more in there. So if you're on the active side of real estate investing and you're looking at getting more passive, you're sick of hustling to do those deals actively and you want to build that passive income, this interview is for you. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor who focuses on commercial, multifamily, and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn more about investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, today our guest is Steve Davis from the Total Wealth Academy. We're talking about switching, transitioning from the wrong career and active real estate investing into a more passive approach, how he made that approach, how he made that transition, and what he teaches people today, going through a few misconceptions or misperceptions about passive real estate investing, and so much more. Without any further ado, here we go. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your
0: business, can you tell us about yourself and what you do? Sure. I started off as a, well, really, I I think I'd like to go back to my college days for the simple reason that it'll make sense why I included this part. I knew at a very young age that I wanted to be wealthy, and I really thought everybody did, but I've learned that's not the case. That's true. And I went to college, and I had this belief that college was where you learned to be wealthy. And I went to my counselor, Lieutenant Purdy, U.S. Navy. I was in the Marine Corps on a Navy ROTC scholarship at Texas A&M. And I said, Lieutenant Purdy, where are the classes on getting rich? This was close to the end of my second year. He goes, there are none. (laughs) And I looked at him. And I, I quit school that instant. The instant he said that, he goes, You don't want to be here anymore, do you? I said, Not really. And fortunately, they were downsizing the military at the time. So he got me an honorable discharge, and I was able to go start a little business with a friend. We failed miserably. We didn't have a mentor, we didn't have any education in the business, and we just got killed. So I went into corporate America. I was in the health club industry, working 60, 70 hours a week, and I placed first place in the national sales contest. And they sent me to Hawaii for a week because I was so good at what I did and so valuable to the company. When I got back, they cut my pay by 20 grand a year. And what that did was it woke me up to the stupidity of relying solely on a job for your income. This, I was reading a lot at the time. I was reading Anthony Robbins, Stephen Covey, Warren Buffett, and Warren Buffett made a comment never rely on a sole source of income, invest to build a second. And that resonated with me about that time. So I had learned from another book by a guy named Green that 70 or 80% of the millionaires in the United States had used real estate. And I looked at myself and I know this isn't the nicest thing to say, but I went, you know, you're not the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> Why don't you do what's the easiest, which obviously real estate was? And so I started, I couldn't sleep. You know, they cut my pay. And by the way, I was losing my wife at the same time. Nobody loves this joke, but if you're working 70 hours a week, who's romancing your wife? It ain't you. And I was like, man, I'm losing my wife. I'm broke. Bad, I'll have bad credit in a couple of months because I couldn't make my payments and I couldn't sleep. So I was up late watching infomercials and I started buying them. Carlton Sheets, Dave Del Dotto, Tommy Vu, all these gurus from the 80s and read everything I could get my hands on. Two months later, I was able to quit my job because I was making more money wholesaling real estate, which requires no money or credit than I was at my job. And the wonderful thing was it took me about 10, 12 hours a month to wholesale a deal compared to the 280 hours I was working at the job. So I bought my life back. I was able to save my marriage and it just dawned on me that our educational system has failed. High school and college teaches nothing about money and wealth. And so I talked a friend into opening a mentoring business where we taught real estate investing. And that was kind of my part-time gig. And I loved it because I love to teach. Didn't really realize it at the time. I just was having fun. And it dovetailed with the real estate investing. So it was the perfect scenario. And I just loved sitting there with people that felt hopeless and saying, no, no, no. You're not hopeless. You can do this. You can do that. You can do wholesaling. You can do flipping. You can do single family rental. Shoot, you got enough money to buy a small apartment, whatever the circumstance was. And I became addicted to it, the teaching side of it. And that was why eventually I opened my own mentoring program, Total Wealth Academy. Great. Okay. So, one of my concerns about wholesaling
1: is there are folks out there who are very successful at it, but I think as you alluded to, it was taking you 10 to 12 hours a month to wholesale a deal back in the day, which is still... you know, It's not a whole lot of time, but it's still time. It's not really passive income. It doesn't create a passive income stream really until you turn it into a business that runs itself. But that's way down the road. Most wholesalers don't really get to that point. Uh, So making that transition from the more active types of real estate... uh, activities. I don't even really want to call it real estate investing
0: because wholesaling is not really real estate. Wholes- investing. You're right. Wholesaling and flipping is earned income. Yeah, yeah, It's a job and it's taxed that way too. Absolutely. It's one of the things that
1: folks don't talk about is the, the taxes are much higher on wholesalers and flippers. Yes. So making that shift from the more active participation in real estate to passive, how did you make that transition to building streams of
0: passive income instead of hustling to get that next wholesale deal. Okay, okay. What I did is I started off wholesaling, right? And I'm making between five and 40 grand a month. But again, it consumed a bunch of time. To make that 40 grand, that was like 40 hours because that was a little apartment complex dealing with a much more sophisticated buyer and so on. But that money allowed me to pay off all my debt, correct my credit. Then I started flipping. Then I was making 50 to $100,000 a month But it was, again, like you say, it was active. It was required a bunch of my time. Well, one of my mentors pulled me aside and goes, why don't you own any rent property yet? You've been flipping and wholesaling for three years. I said, well, I'm afraid rent property consumes a bunch of time. I don't want to lose my wife. You know, I don't want to get in that situation. He goes, Steve, I own 123 houses and I vacation out of the country one week a month. (laughs) I said, okay, maybe I've got the wrong belief about rental property. <laughs> so, he taught me how to run rental property, and I started buying all these single families. Then I started buying little apartments, 10 units, 22 units, and so on. But again, still active. Even though it was way less time than wholesaling and flipping, it was still active. Well, this crazy kid comes up to me, guy's named Trey, and he goes, why don't you give me some of your money? I'm going to go buy a 200-unit apartment. I'm like, this kid's like 27, 28. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I'm giving this guy a bunch of my money. And over time, as I got to know him, I went, I'm giving this kid some money. Because he was the type of guy that would work for free just to be around me or any of the other mentors. You could see he had this burning, burning desire. And I said, I'll give you a quarter of a million. You raise the rest of the capital. and Let's go buy this 200 unit. Well, about nine months later, he wrote me a check for an 85% rate of return. Whoa. And I said, (laughs) here's the secret, passive investing. I did nothing. I just put up my money and boom. So he and I got together and I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to liquidate all my single family. I'm going to liquidate all these little apartments. You keep buying apartments. And he did. And I think he and I... Were partners in about 3,000 units. Then I partnered with some other syndicators for another 1,000. So I got to about 4,000 apartment units, which was generating about 80 grand a month in passive income, and I did nothing. And that was the miracle event, if you will, where that kid with the burning desire finally sold himself to me, and I took the risk, and it was so worth it. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned
1: about him in particular. One of the things that worked for you, I guess, in in his that you saw in him was the burning desire aspect of it. Was there anything else that from that experience that maybe now, with the benefit of hindsight or whatever, that you would look for in that type of a person? Because you know, desire is not all it takes, right? We can right. have as many desires as we want, but we need to be able to execute and deliver you know, on our plan. So what are your thoughts about that? Other things to you know, look for in, in guys like that?
0: Well, at the time, this is a, a really honest assessment. At the time, I didn't think he was that smart because I thought I was so smart. I'm like, this kid's not as smart as me. He doesn't know as much as I do. But I'll tell you what, in about two and a half years, I realized this is one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. And so in hindsight, what you look for is intelligence. You look for burning desire and they have a lot to lose. Now, this kid didn't have a lot to lose. He had nothing. But today, when I look at syndicators, I like to see syndicators with good families. I like to see them have two or three other apartment complexes or self storage or whatever they're into. That where they've got a lot to lose if they do a bad deal. So, intelligence, burning desire, oh, principally centered. Got, got to throw that one in there. If they're not principally centered, and I literally ask syndicators, have you read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey? If they haven't, it takes a few notches off of their uh, qualifications to me. But every syndicator at Total Wealth Academy we live and die by the seven habits of highly effective people. And that type of principle centered living leads into the businesses that they own as well. So I want them to be principally centered, highly intelligent, burning desire, and a lot to lose. Okay.
1: Those all make a lot of sense. Uh, I had, uh, his son, Stephen M. R. Covey, on a podcast yeah. that that I used to host. And uh, he sent me a book and I'll have to check in with him, see if we can get them get him on this show. But anyway, so let's dig into the idea of being principally centered. What does that mean? I'll be honest, I haven't read that book. I read Stephen Good. M. R. Covey's book, but it's you know been a
0: few years now. So let's dig into that. What does principally centered mean? The abundance mentality, I think, is one of the biggest things. They're not threatened by other syndicators, they realize there's plenty out there for everybody. They're not highly competitive. And that sounds like a negative. But what I mean by that is they don't see a zero sum game that if so and so sponsors, indicators doing well, I'm not going to do as well. They see it as we should all be doing well. Then I look at their families. Are they raising their kids? Do they have a good relationship with their kids? Do they have a great relationship with their spouse? All parts of a balanced life. The think win-win, from again, from the seven habits. Do they try to steal deals or do they look for a win-win situation? See, a guy who likes to steal deals, yeah, he'll get a deal once every 10 years. A guy who looks for a win-win, he's going to find deals every year. If he's out there, again, principally centered, abundance mentality, thinking win-win, seeking first to understand then to be understood by the seller which is a this is a principle when you're going up against a guy who owns you know 10,000 units and he's about to sell you a little 250 300 unit you don't get with him and tell him how great you are and what you're doing and that you be humble you walk in and you go what do you want out of the deal and then shut the heck up <laughs> and listen those sellers will tell you exactly what they need out of the deal. Now, they're going to fib a little bit. They're going to try to get a few extra million or whatever the circumstance is. But if you've been honest with them and you can repeat again, uh, because I watch these guys, you repeat what the seller said to you so that they clearly understand that you understand. Oh, my God. We took $1.4 million off of a sale price in one meeting using that principle. So that that's just one of them. But yeah, pick up the book, man, it's life-changing. Well, I will, I'll definitely put it on my list. So
1: this idea of, one thing, I there's a lot there, but not trying to steal deals. Does that mean not trying to, uh, underhanded measures, trying to beat other people offering on it, or not trying to get too good of a deal, you know, and-, and- Really,
0: it's the too good of a deal. Mm. And they, you know, it's like you see on TV people negotiating and yet they show one guy go, I'm not going to give you more than 15 million and that's it. They think that's negotiating. That's not how it works at all. You say something like that to somebody, they're just going to walk on you. If you say, and, but once in a while, like I said, about once every 10 years, that works. Because somebody's desperate, they've got a balloon payment coming up. They've mismanaged the property and things like that. It's a crude phrase. I don't even know if I should say it. You don't want to, I'm going to say it. You don't want (laughs) to rape the seller. Oh, geez. Well, there, you don't want to do that. Don't screw the seller. Figure out something that works for both of you or no deal. It's that easy. Hey, it either works for both of us or no deal. Walk away, because you don't want win lose. You don't want lose win. You want win win. Does that make sense? Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I think that's honestly one of my concerns with the way
1: uh, that I'm not going to say names or anything, but the way sometimes like wholesaling is practiced. I think that, yes. that business can be very predatory against sellers that don't really understand what they have, or you know, don't really get it. And and some folks in that business. And predatory is the word that comes to mind that you know, you're it dealing is. with less business savvy sellers compared to somebody's got, you know, 10,000 doors. Like you said, that guy knows how multifamily yeah. works, but you know, a little <laughs> lady who's got, you know, her one house and behind a mortgage payments didn't pay her ta- tax bill, whatever that can get a little predatory on, on those folks, maybe more than a little. That's one of my, and, I,
0: and I was always able to get through the door after one of those predators came in, I would knock on the door sit down with that same woman over a cup of coffee, let her tell me her story, make sure that she had moving money, make sure that she had whatever equity I could give her and still make money. And I got those deals all the time. Where the And I, I heard this phrase a million times. That last guy that here was here, I just didn't feel comfortable with him. What they're really saying is he seemed like a shyster. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with that guy. I feel comfortable with you yeah yeah it's a it's a concern of that business in particular uh,
1: so you help people you know consult with people on passively investing in syndications and you talk with them about deals that they're looking at and everything and'd like to dig into when you're working with somebody who's considering passively investing in a syndication that you're not involved with, you're just looking at that deal and providing your thoughts. What do you think? what do you see as the most common one or two misconceptions that those passive investors have? when they're looking at deals, things that, you know, they're getting wrong or they're not looking for big teaching points that
0: come yeah. up when you're helping them. I think the biggest is when I say, you know, I brag about. It. I had $80,000 a month in cash flow, but it didn't come in every month. Mm. One month I'd get 20, one month I'd get 22, one month I would get 20, 24, and then boom, we do a refinance and I'd get 300,000. Mm-hmm. When you average that, it came out to about 80 grand a month. So people, passive investors need to understand that the cash flow that you get on a quarterly basis may be relatively low, seven, 8%. But when you do your refis and your sales, when you add all those up, it's probably gonna be closer to a 22%, 20, 22% rate of return, which is triple what the stock market has produced over the last 75 years. So, okay. Yeah. Real estate investing is very lumpy
1: in terms of the cash flows that it produces when it's, when it's done right. And especially now there are a lot of folks doing the value add model, which you buy and, you know, refi later or or sell later for your big return. And then you hopefully cash flowed uh, along the way. Is there anything
0: else that comes to mind? Misconceptions on passive. See, my challenge is I've spent six hours with them before I ever meet before Mm -hmm. I ever meet about a deal. Mm -hmm. And I've had an opportunity to teach them what to look for. So there's not a lot of misconceptions among my students. But if you were to ask me, what do I think out there is the big misconception is that, okay, here's one. Anybody can passively invest. That's not true. You've got to either be sophisticated or accredited. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of guys online that are taking people into their deals that are neither accredited nor sophisticated. And that is a risk because, one, if you go in front of a judge and go, yeah, I lied. I told him I was sophisticated. The judge isn't going to like you and want to help you. <laughs> They're sure. going to go, you lied to get into the deal. And now you're mad the guy didn't cash flow exactly what he said he was going to cash flow. So it hurts your chances of. What's the word for it? If something goes wrong, I can't even think of the word, but you definitely want to get an education. In fact, at Total Wealth Academy, we require even our accredited investors to be sophisticated as well. Smart. I've got 14 hours of training that they watch online, and then they come to me before they invest in any deal, and we review the deal, and they know what they're doing. It's asymmetric. Uh, education online where these people are going out and they know about this much your syndicator knows this much mm-hmm. much higher yes you want to be what well, it's asymmetric and why is my brain not working today Disproportional you, you want to be like this with your syndicator you want to know as much or more in some cases than your syndicator in other words I've got some passive investors they're in 2030 apartment complexes Mm -hmm. well a new guy comes in i train him how to manage and run one he wants to syndicate a deal this is his first deal that guy who has already invested in 20 or 30 knows more than he does so that's you want to either know as much or more than the syndicator or it's very easy to get taken advantage of and not not going blind and and something that
1: i talk with folks about all the time is if you're a passive investor who can build that level of sophistication, especially if you're accredited, you'll get access to a lot more. Yeah. You can build deal flow relatively quickly. It takes a little bit of time. But you can get things coming to you and have a lot to review and continue to learn and build your skills, see what's going on in the market before you even get started investing. I think that's a wise thing to do is get a sample of what's happening, understand what to look for, and don't feel a sense of FOMO if you're missing out before you yeah. just dive into the first Ooh. thing
0: you see. That's a good one. FOMO is a, it's not a misconception, but it's a mistake. People always think this is the last deal. This is it. Mm-hmm. There's not, never going to be another apartment complex bought. People don't realize that these apartment complexes are bought and sold about every seven to 10 years. So there's a constant flow of deals if you put yourself in the right place. Yeah. Many syndication
1: teams who have done hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in in assets, they're not going to quit with this current deal. They're going to go keep (laughs) finding deals, right? They're going to keep working at it. So yeah, don't be in too big of a rush. Great. glad we covered all those things. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital, by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal Capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the Personal Capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Steve, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your
0: education? Best investment that I ever made was a 10-unit. It was my very first apartment complex. I bought a 10-unit in Houston down off 45 and 610, if you know the city. It was a relatively rough area. But these tenants all paid their own rent. None of it was government subsidized. The reason it was the best investment is because I did it wrong. Mm. I bought it, and I was running single family, and I thought, hey, I've run 100 single family. I can run a little 10 unit <laughs> apartment, and I got killed. Apartments are totally different from single family. Mm-hmm. So I got killed the first year. The second year, I started to grasp things, but here was what I did. Dave Lindahl, or I think it was Dave Lindahl, had a course on apartment complexes. I didn't take it. Mm. I was too lazy. I was too arrogant. I thought, oh, I can figure this out. And I was too greedy. I think it was 30 grand. I was too greedy to do it. It's called lag, laziness, arrogance, and greed. So I was a victim of lag. And when I sold it, I made 150 grand. I thought I was the king. (laughs) Until... I read a book that explained net operating income and capitalization rates. I sold that thing for $350,000 less than it was worth. Mm. That was the best investment because it doggone humbled me. It showed me that I was arrogant and I never made that mistake again. And I sent Dave Lindall a check for $30,000 <laughs> and took the class and it changed my life for sure. Great. I've got
1: his book, uh, Multifamily Millions, sitting on my uh, bookshelf over there. I have they read that one? So he's got a lot of great
0: books out there, a lot of great content. Was that the book that you read or was it a different book that, the book, your mind? that the book that I read was Steve Burgess, Buying and Selling Apartment Complexes. Okay. I haven't read that one myself, but uh, yeah, you know, very important lesson. Very important lesson, then. Interesting way to learn it.
1: Yeah. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment.
0: What is the worst investment you ever made? worst investment this is a tough one you may want to edit some of this out <laughs> i have been fortunate you know the truth is i have to say the same 10 unit if you really want to get down to it mm-hmm. the worst investment i ever made was that 10 unit because it beat me to death it i lost money the first year so the first year of owning that complex was the worst investment i ever made the second year forward was the best investment that I ever made. And that's what people need to understand about real estate is that real estate is extremely forgiving. If you do something dumb, you can go fix it. If you buy a stock or a mutual fund and, you know, Apple puts out a product that is just a piece of crap and their (laughs) stock drops, (laughs) what can you do about that? Nothing. You know, you can't call them. You can't yell at them. You can't, nothing man, when one of my apartments has a problem, I hop in my car, I drive over there, sit down with my property manager and solve the problem. I uh, we, we bought a uh, $7 million property. The sponsor effectively managed it down to 5 million. We go back to the guy and he was a very nice guy. We go, look, we don't think you can do this. Would you be willing to step aside? Well, he looked Like he had been beat to death, you know, because he was suffering, he was doing poorly. He goes, Absolutely. We put another sponsor in there, a fresh sponsor. That thing's now worth 23 million bucks. So that was also a worst investment that turned into one of the best because real estate is so forgiving.
1: And I I see that a lot of successful real estate investors, they will have a deal that in hindsight, they would have done differently. I don't want to say they yeah. regret, but those deals, they'll often say, Hey, I learned something from this. So I can't call it a worst, but maybe it didn't perform as well as it. I could hope, or you know, maybe I lost money on it, but ultimately the lesson that I learned was more valuable than the money that I lost. So yeah, it's an interesting spin to that question, but I think very common in the realm of the successful uh, real estate investor. So my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the
0: most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? The most important lesson that I ever learned came from my wife. When we were broke and we were driving around in a little Ford Festiva, this is a little two-door, I mean, it's like a box, right? I think it was 8,600 brand new and this was 1986 or 87. We're driving around she's happy as can be. Just we're having fun, we're enjoying life, we're broke. We're both in no end jobs, no no uh, jobs with no future. And she's happy. Now we tool around in a Ferrari. We have a beach house. We have all this, these material possessions. And she's happy. And what it taught me was that happiness in business, happiness in life, is a choice. And you find what makes you happy, you're going to, by default, make a lot of money. You know, when I went passive in real estate, I realized that I loved to teach. I didn't like what I got a little excited when I would get up to go run an apartment complex. But when I was going to teach that day, I got fired up. I would wake up, I'd be studying, reading, ready to teach. And I realized my passion was teaching. Happiness equaled teaching, not running the apartments. She taught me that happiness is the most important thing. If you study the Dalai Lama, he says, the purpose of life is to be happy, but there's a catch to it. You're not going to be happy if you're not helping and serving others. And I figured out my Porte to help and serve other people is to teach. And she just brought me this understanding that in business and in life, the most important thing is happiness. I love that.
1: That's so important. And I, I agree with the aspect of it, it being a choice. And that is the most important thing. And the, the importance of serving is, is definitely, definitely huge. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all these great lessons. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to, if they want to find your show, anything like that,
0: where can they track you down? Easiest place is TotalWealthAcademy.com. At TotalWealthAcademy.com, you can find out about our radio shows. You can find out about our online education. You can find out, we have a free sample class that people can watch anywhere in the US that will explain exactly what we do and what we teach and listen to my radio show and just have fun and i get call-ins from people all across the country even canada and i don't hold anything back in on that radio show there's no you need to take my course i will tell you and answer any question that you have great well
1: thank you so much again for joining us today everybody out there Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.